Hello, you're listening to An Adequate Podcast by me, John Paul Flintoff. It's about creative self-expression through writing, drawing and speaking. And it's adequate because I can't do perfect. In the previous episode, I spoke with Chris Dyer, the voice artist who recorded the audiobook of a modest book about how to make an adequate speech, which came out on Thursday. And I'm really excited and happy about that. But I, I won't go on about it for ages. I'm actually really knackered. I had a launch party with an hour-long talk with some really, really lovely people. But as ever, whenever you do a talk, whenever I do a talk anyway, there's a lot of nerves beforehand. And I take that as a good sign because it means that I'm not sleepwalking through it. So I got really knackered on Wednesday night when I had the book launch. Thank you for your good wishes. And on Thursday, I did another one for people who have at times in the past invited me to give talks. I just wanted to have a little tea party. So my charming and wonderful daughter baked cinnamon buns for me to offer to everybody at a book launch tea party over Zoom. Obviously, I could only wave the cinnamon buns and carrot cake and chocolate banana slice through the screen but I think the thought was appreciated anyway so there we are the book's out I'm really pleased it's actually had its first review on Amazon and I didn't write it in case you were wondering and um, I'm enormously grateful for that Uh, but what was the thing I was going to say oh yeah I'm so tired Um, the thing I was going to say is in this episode I'm just going to let you listen to an interview that I did on publication day in the morning with wonderful Talk Radio Europe and they very kindly allowed me to use the audio so that's that's what I'm doing right now but I'm also just before that I'm going to play you 59 seconds worth of the audio that went out with a video that my publisher asked for now I've got this idea that I should do a thing that Seth Godin among other people who have podcasts that are very successful, does. And that's to start his podcast with a little message from his sponsor, like an advertisement. Now, I don't have a sponsor. I don't have a big enough audience to have a sponsor. But I have got you. Thank you for listening. And so I thought it'd be quite nice just to have a little message from my sponsor. And my sponsor is me. or Well, it's it's my book. It's this trailer, this 59-second trailer that I've done for the book but instead of me saying and now a message from our sponsor I'd much rather have someone else's voice so if you're listening to this and you're feeling brave why don't you send me a message at the end of listening uh it's quite easy I think if you if you know me already which probably most people listening to this do um then you could just send me a whatsapp or something a little voice message just saying in either your normal voice or a funny voice just say and now a message from our sponsor But don't say it the way I just did with a glitch in the middle. Say, and now a message from our sponsor. So if you leave me that message, I don't know whether multiple people might leave it. I'll have to rotate them. But I I might use that as a little voice before letting you hear this thing coming up right now. My publisher asked me to record a video. I was excited and then fearful. That's how it is with public speaking. All those eyes on you and it feels like you're about to be eaten up. I'm John Paul Flintoff. I wrote this to show that you don't have to be slick 
to make an adequate speech. And adequate means good enough, and good enough is good enough. If you learn the basic principles, you can do anything. A wedding speech, a business conference, a uh, uh, broadcast, politics, even busking. In five steps, the book covers preparation, choosing your material, polishing it up, memorizing it, and being ready to throw it all away if you have to improvise. There are stories about famous speakers and not famous. There are some of my minor successes and some of my failures. Thank you for listening. Talk Radio Europe. Daybreak. Presented by Hannah Murray. Good morning. My guest now is John Paul Flintoff. He's a journalist, artist and performer who's delivered talks all over the world. He worked as a writer and editor at the Financial Times and the Sunday Times and has published five books, including How to Change the World. His latest book is a modest book about how to make an adequate speech. Public speaking actually helped him recover from a breakdown in January 2018 when he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. He now does a lot of work with Talk for Health, a support group for people with mental health difficulties. Welcome to the show, JP. Hello. Thanks for having me. What a nice welcome. Oh, it's lovely to have you with us. Thanks very much for joining us. So uh, tell me, if you can, first of all, a little bit about your your breakdown, if you you don't mind, and how uh, talking and speech helped you. Sure. Yeah. Um, Of course, at the time, I would most definitely have minded because... Um, that was one of the problems was not knowing how to talk about my difficulties. And Mm. that's normal for anyone is we don't know how to talk about anything that we haven't talked about before. Um, It's like living in a a country where we don't know the language. And so I, I uh, had a series of traumatic events happen to me, which happened to all of us occasionally, but they came in quick succession and they caused me to fall into a very dark habit of mind, which I distinctly remember. And it got darker and darker the less I, now I realised, the less I had the chance to talk about it, what was really going on. And this, the internal struggle of trying to seem to be uh, positive, enthusiastic, excited, somewhat successful in my pursuits, and feeling inside like I was hopeless and absolutely washed up and a total and utter failure. Just, it's just too much. And eventually I did tell someone and that someone told someone else. And then I was seeing a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist was saying, do you want to come into hospital? And I said, yeah, I really do. And it felt like shelter. And in hospital, I had a lot of um, group therapy, which was terrifying and wonderful. And I, you know, you sit in a circle, you hear people talking about what's going on with them. There's not much judgment. I mean, no, nobody can help judging, but no one openly judges and it's very supportive. And I just got a lot better. And then when I left hospital, um, a friend said, go and see these people that talk for health because they do more or less what you've been doing in hospital and it's free and it's community based and it's paid for by the local authority. I went along and I found it very helpful. And by then I was, it was almost like I had a PhD in how to do this stuff. And many of the other people uh, had less experience. And I just found that they were struck by certain things. I was struck by certain things about how it works and how does it work when you talk to people in a certain way? How can you create an audience that's 
that's able to listen in a good way. It was just, it was like magic. And I definitely got a lot better through talking to groups. And it happens that the work I did beforehand and have carried on doing involves talking to groups, sometimes very big groups. And I became really curious about how there's an overlap. Plainly, if you're a, if you're a politician facing a hostile audience, that's not going to be very therapeutic. Mm. But there are many similarities. Sorry, that's a really long answer to your question. No, it's good. It's it's useful. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. No, it's very interesting. And I think when you're going through anything, you know, using mental health as an example, but, you know, addiction or or all kinds of things that that people can be going through, having some kind of group therapy and being around Mm. people who are going through the same thing and have the same kind of issues and questions and and problems as you can can be massively beneficial, can't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the, the fundamental basis of all of the 12-step programs. And Alcoholics Anonymous is the most well-known, but there are 12-step programs for all sorts of different things. And people find someone who's got previous experience of going through this and hearing them and then hearing each other and, and even understand for the people who've been through it to hear the, the, the newer people going through it, it can be helpful. So, yeah, definitely. And, really good to share. And the idea of, of making a speech uh, um, that people will listen to, that people will enjoy, that people will remember, that's quite a skill, isn't it? It is. And I, I suppose that I, um, well, it won't be a massive surprise to you in light of what I've already said, but I, I've always had a bit of a sense of, and I can't tell anyone how to do that stuff. Who am I? But actually, I'm really interested in it, and I've done it for a long time and in a lot of different contexts. And it's gone badly many times in many of the ways that I most feared. And I've lived, which is, you know, small comfort, but actually really big comfort. So I I thought, well, what is this thing? Why do I love it so much? And partly because I'm a writer and I really care about how do we convey things and how do you structure something so that it works most effectively? I've always approached writing rather like an engineer, I think. And how do you make people laugh and then cry? And how do you make people cry and then laugh? And all of those things, I just thought it was really fascinating. So I, I suddenly got my head around this incredibly unfashionable discipline of rhetoric, which was invented 2,000 years ago. And it completely works. It's really, really good. Um, but nobody wants to hear the word rhetoric. It sounds, it's, it's a negative <laughs> word now. And if I told you all the different parts of rhetoric, you'd probably fall asleep. So I've tried to write in my book a version of it that sounds sort of human and 21st century. It is 21st, when is it? Are we in? Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had me worried then. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the big speeches that, that a lot of uh, people, men particularly, uh, may have to do throughout their life, um, either a best man speech or a mm. father of the bride speech or a speech mm. as the, the groom, um, yeah. uh, for a lot of people, for a lot of guys, you know, that can be the, the first time that they're doing a speech like that in public and can be they can be very very nervous about it and when doing that sort of speech there's a lot of though there tends to be a lot of pressure of of, of being funny and and yeah. making people laugh and of course some people are funny naturally and don't even need to think about it and it just kind of flows and it's and it's easy or making people mm. cry like like you said having some yeah. some emotion in there um, but for some they really need to work at being funny and of course you can try 
too hard and then it can can fall apart, can't it? Definitely, yeah. Um, I've done two out of those three. I'm not, I don't have an old enough daughter to have done the third. And <laughs> I, I, um, I, I know exactly what you mean about the pressure. It was terrifying. Largely the pressure was self-imposed, which yeah. is worth remembering. People don't really want you to do badly. So if you're kind of average, then that's okay. Everyone's happy. It's a good day <laughs> and it's not all about you. So um, that's the first thing to say. The, the other thing is I would encourage people to try to be really honest. If you've got, if you're, if you can honestly be funny, then be funny. If you can't be honestly funny, then be whatever else you are. You might be a bit soppy. So make that speech. Don't try to be what you're not. Mm. That's the only thing. There's this word authentic that's bandied around a lot now as if it's the absolute cure-all. And I, I don't think it's a cure-all because one person's authentic. Let's just say, for example, Donald Trump, who's quite a divisive figure. He, he's very authentic, but it doesn't go down well with a lot of people, to be <laughs> yes. fair. Um, so be not inauthentic. Be yourself. And if you find it right to say certain kinds of things... Um, be aware that it's going, to, it's going to feel really awkward. Just like I said, when I went into psychiatric hospital, having to tell what was going on with me is really awkward. But I can promise you that if you're not saying something that makes you feel awkward, it's probably really dull. Mm-hmm. So you've got to say something that makes you feel a bit awkward. And the great thing about that is that you can go into every single speaking occasion thinking, oh, no, I feel really nervous. That's great. Because hmm. you should. Yeah, yeah. And when you're constructing a speech, put it, putting it together, it's important, I think, to have a, a beginning and an end, a quite kind of as if you're, you're taking people on a journey like, like you would do a story, but, you know, a, a clear direction of, of where you want to go with the speech. Definitely. And I think what, what the word that leaps out for me there is what you, where you want to go. You've got to have a sense of your purpose. That's much more important than your subject. People don't tend to know that. But if you know that you want to make your audience love the bride and the groom, or if you know that you want to make your audience think that you should have married her, or if you, <laughs> um, whatever your purpose is, will tell you what that journey needs to be. If you think about it quite literally like a journey, if you think about um, the Lord of the Rings, Frodo has to get to that mountain with the ring and pop the ring into the mountain. That's all he has to do. So once you know that, then you know which direction to take, you know how to avoid the monsters, how to do all the things you need to do because you're going there. So you have to have a sense of purpose before anything else. Mm. And through your your learning to be a a confident speaker and and teaching other people, have you done any speeches yourself that have been a bit of a disaster that you've oh. you've learned from now? Oh, I have. Yeah, I'm t- too many. I'm afraid, but probably <laughs> the most painful. I mean, some of those sort of humdrum, just not that amazing disasters. I'd say probably the biggest thing I've learned is that I must be a bit nervous and, and I've done ones that went wrong because I wasn't nervous enough I didn't care enough mm-hmm. I wasn't really focused enough um, but the the most painful was um, talk I did at a company the difficulty with that is that people are often an unwilling audience they've come along because they've been told to that's that, that was a problem that I knew in advance so that's that's something for me to deal with but I lost half of the audience and not all at once but in ones and twos and it was death by a thousand cuts it was dreadful oh yes because you can't really it's it sounds bad I think in any situation if you're giving a speech and trying to 
be both professional and entertaining at the same time. You don't want to be saying, uh, can you be quiet in the corner, please? I'm trying to... Yeah. <laughs> that totally ruins it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I make it a, a point never to to scold an audience. I always <laughs> just say thank you for anything. So when, in this particular occasion, I, mean, I, I, do, I try to do it in a way that is very clearly not sarcastic. On this first occasion, when a few people left, I, I actually acknowledged it. I said, look, I'm sorry to see you going, but I'm really grateful that you came for as long as you did. Thank you very much. I really... Um, really appreciate your time and your attention. Yeah. So I said that, and then in the next few, I said it again, and then it just became the, my mouth dries, and I said, I can't keep saying this. <laughs> so I found myself saying, I, I dare say there may be a few more people who are going to want to leave at some point. So I'd just like to say to you all in advance, thank you so much for coming. And I, I won't say goodbye to you all individually. And then <laughs> for the rest of the session, whenever anyone left, we all conspired in this ghastly sort of uh, pretending that we hadn't noticed thing. Oh, no. Really oh, bad. Wow. It's terrible, isn't it? Because when something like that happens, it's it's there's not always necessarily something that you can learn from it because no. you weren't doing anything wrong it was them <laughs> well it's a, such a mystery it's also this other thing is that it's not like um it's not like juggling or walking a high wire you either fall off the high wire or you don't you know that's a successful walk or it's yeah. not um but when you're doing a talk i've had talks where i, mean, I won't swear but but people have said some very rude things about me and other people at the same talk in the same audience said I was a genius and brilliant. Now, <laughs> if it, it puzzled me at first and, and then I thought, well, actually, it's, it's because they're both right. In, in their minds, yeah. they're both right. It's nothing to do with me what they make of me. No, I can't control that. No, absolutely. No, we, we get that. You know, there'll be people that don't like or don't like us as presenters or don't like the music that yeah. we play or people who love the music and, and love what we do on the radio. Do you know what I mean? It's just people's opinion and you, you can never please everybody, can you? No, so I'd love to know how you handle it. My technique is just to say thank you for any feedback. And say yes, yes, definitely. Thanks for your email. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't enjoy me. <laughs> you don't have to listen. <laughs> I mean, in your experience, is it, I find it depleting, but what, and, and I have to sort of give myself some time to let it sort of drift away. But how do you cope with that? Yeah, you, you have to not, not let it get to you. At the same time, when someone's saying they love you and you're amazing, you have to take that with a pinch of salt as well and just say, thank you, yeah. that's very kind, without thinking, wow, I'm amazing. You know, you yeah. just <laughs> you have to take both and just kind of not let either of them get to you. Yeah. I, and just I, say I, thank you. Yeah, as you say, definitely. I try to just have some sort of detachment. It's so yes. tempting not to be detached from them, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Well, it's a fascinating subject and I'm sure people will get a lot from your book. It's called A Modest Book About How to Make an Adequate Speech. It's by John Paul Flintoff, who we've been chatting to. JP, thanks very much for joining us. It's been lovely to chat. And you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to An Adequate Podcast with me, John Paul Flintoff. If you want to hear more episodes on this theme of self-expression, please subscribe. I'm very keen to make this podcast interactive. Send me a comment or a question, and I'll try to build it into an upcoming episode. Bye for now.